Welcome to Applied Dungeoneering, the D&D 5e actual play podcast that likes to emulate those survival shows that you can watch on the Discovery Channel. I'm Josh, the Dungeon Master, the wandering traveler who runs the show, and I'm joined, as always, by my friends and co-hosts. We have Daniel here, the lone ranger camping out in the wilderness. Yeah, I think trees and stuff are pretty neat. Oh, look at that, a big noodle that can move. Oh, no. <coughs> well, Daniel's gone, but luckily we have Janelle here as well. She's making a fire using nothing but two sticks, a gallon of lighter fluid, and a match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was originally just like, maybe we try this the old-fashioned way uh, with just a lighter fluid and a match. But I was like, no, no, we're we're like camping and stuff. So I've got to add some sticks. So I did that just to, you know, kind of get the feel correct. Well, that'll be awesome. When we recover Daniel's body, we can cremate him. So that way the sloths don't eat him. (laughs) Yep, Daniel, go sit down. We'll come back for you when you're dead. (laughs) Nate's here as well. He's covered in mud for camouflage while he hunts the sloths down. After the last episode, the party strongly recommended I stay in this camouflage location for the next seven days to for observation reasons. Where'd you guys go? It's been guys, eight how, days. How does Nate still have his mic? He wasn't supposed to take his mic with him. Nate doesn't listen to what we say, so... Uh... Yeah, I don't know. He's too powerful. This is awkward now. Um. Anyway, Joel's here too. I see he's brought a nice supply of non-expiring food for us looks like it's mostly beans uh yeah beans hardtack and sugar syrup i hope y'all like it oh boy this looks more like it's a preparation for a nuclear holocaust than it is a camping trip uh that is one of the options yes oh it's an option now uh yeah yeah i'm gonna spin a wheel and whatever it lands on is the uh, end of the world scenario oh, well, well here let's let's spin that wheel uh it's not time yet it's not time oh, yet. okay yeah we have to we have to wait until uh oh, when when's the next mayan calendar cycle run out i don't know i don't know pr- probably something like 2021 yeah 40 40 44 that's crazy aj speaking of aj i know he's, he's talking about post-apocalyptic stuff but Honestly, I don't, I don't think AJ would be bothered by that. He's a survivalist at heart. He he just likes to hike. He just likes to go on nice, long hikes. Yeah, uh, usually minimum of like 500 miles. Or then, um, sometimes I walk 500 more. And uh, a lot of the time I end up just like being in, in, in that bed, you know, just waking up next to you, Josh. And I would walk those 500 miles just just for you. It's enjoyable. Well, I appreciate that, AJ, and I would leave my boots outside for you to take to do that so that you could walk 500 miles away from me. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah, but really I'd go good. with you. That'd be 500 more miles. You don't have even close to 500 away. It just means a lot. Oh, Joel. Um, Joel, you're so you're so silly. You, you've you've had your uh, spinner on global pandemic this whole time. Oh no! <laughs> oh yeah, I think I bumped into it a, a few months back. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, now we're dating the episode. People will know we're recording during the 
two-year pandemic. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. There goes all the ratings. <laughs> uh, shut it down, guys. Shut it down. Shut it down. Man, speaking mm. of the world going to shit, how are you guys doing today? I mean, I, mean, I was... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say it's uh, it's best best time of my life, I'd say. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's pretty I'm good. Pretty good. Lots of video games. Yeah. I... I've had lots of food recently. I've had a spicy chicken sandwich for lunch, and I'm really happy with that. Poured a bunch of barbecue sauce on it, some mustard, and sort of ate it with a spoon. Ranch. And ranch? No, I um, I saved that for the Sunday nights when I have to make spaghetti. Mm. Okay. Yeah. In, in, inside joke, but listeners at home, AJ loves ranch. And to cook. Anyway, listener, we cut out that entire last bit because it was very inappropriate and very personal for AJ specifically. God damn it. So we're just going to head forward and jump right into the action of the episode. Are you guys ready to just play some D&D? Yeah. Yeah. Two of us are. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to give a quick recap, and then we are going to jump right into the action, and we're going to dry Joel up. So, last episode, you guys made your way to your meeting with Lady Hecate. After Jasper remained behind and Laszlo was dragged away by a curious merchant, the remaining party members had to keep up their charade with the ruler of Brimpton and try to fool her with your tales of being wheat farmers however she had been magically spying on you through master the cat the whole time so she was aware of your exploits the whole way after you spent some time arguing with her and amongst yourselves you finally agreed that you were going to get to the bottom of this mystery and there were some hints that perhaps you could get a reading from the Oracle that is Lady Hecate. So we're going to jump right back into the action. You guys are in one of the side rooms of Lady Hecate's keep with her fine velvet couches and chairs, rugs of fine linen, a roaring fire in the fireplace, wet dog water all over Gunner and Theo. <laughs> oh, no. And there's a knocking at the door as other potential merchants and uh, meeting goers. Is that the word? Um, this is a term for people who are signed up for a meeting, but I, I can't bother myself to look them up right now. Meteors. But, <laughs> yes, meteors. There are a lot of meteors trying to get in. Does that mean we're meteorites on the, on the actual meeting? No. No, that's an ethnicity. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh. you guys are... <laughs> Oh, boy. Anyway, you guys are pressed for time. There are people trying to get in, and you guys have just passed Lady Hecate's test to determine if you guys will be able to help her out. So as you guys are standing up to leave, Lady Hecate approaches Aegon and says, So, will you and your friends be able to get to the bottom of this for me while I keep this city up and running and she kind of gives him like a, a flirty eye flutter <laughs> we'll do our best very well uh, before you leave Aegon I actually have a 
have something that will help you and your companions. And uh, she reaches behind her and pulls out a small wooden box uh, clasped shut with like a an iron clasp and she hands it to you. And she says, this is this is a doorway to immense power and I trust that you will use it wisely. And she passes it to you. And Aegon accepts it and says, absolutely, we will use it wisely and we won't let it get into the wrong hands. Spectacular. You can you can open it once you are out of the castle. And I promise you it'll be of great use to you. And then there's another knock on the door for the next meeting to uh, ensue. And she says, and I promise you, all of you, I will tell your fortunes after you've completed this task for me. I will set you on your path and I will untangle this knot that your destinies have seemed to tied themselves into. So do this task for me and I will consider that ample payment for my services. Well, hey, that's oh, oh so, sorry, is that, uh, old, old habit. Well, no, uh, no, no, the... it's, it's it's best you do that, Jasper. You should actually leave through that window. You too, Tuo. Is this supposed to be Romeo and Juliet style when I go out the window? <laughs> no. <laughs> please, please don't kill yourself. Just, just go leave the window and meet up with your friends outside. Jasper trips while leaving the window. <laughs> <laughs> What's with this clumsy Jasper all of a sudden? I love it. Jasper's never dexterous. There was just never a reason for him to do it. He'd think that was dexterous so far. Besides love climbing it. a rope like that he's tied himself into. <laughs> he falls and he implants face first into the, the mulch under the window. And Master the Cat uh, trots next to him and looks at him disapprovingly before trotting off back towards the front of the building. I don't trust you, cat servant. Cat just chirps back at you and continues walking. And Tuo scrambles over you as well. He jumps out, lands on you, and then <laughs> uh, follows after Master. Well, I, I guess we best be going then, huh? Yes, and she waves her hand and uh, you feel another like light gust of wind and she says loudly yes I believe everything is in order I look forward to your future business thank you so much for your time and she, she winks at you alright so uh, you guys walk to the door and open it up and you see there are a large group of merchants trying to push their way in um, but you guys slip past as they slip in for their meeting. And uh, Laszlo sees you leaving and he manages to extract himself from his current conversation. And he follows you out of the building and he sidles up next to Aegon and he says, uh, so, so Aegon, how'd, how'd it go? Wait, uh, wait, are we still inside? Uh, you guys are making your way out. You are okay. walking down the corridors to the outside. Well, shoot, sir, it went great in there. Uh, Lady Hecate was very receptive to our uh, plight. Oh, well, that, that's 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 good to hear. Did she give you any uh, insights on wheat trading? And he gives you a very exaggerated wink. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> she said that uh, we should... We should uh, 
teach some people about growing wheat first and then come back to her later. Wink. Oh, God. Does <laughs> he say wink? He, he sidles up to Aegon and he says, well, Aegon, you didn't have to say wink. And also, I don't, I'm not picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> she wanted us to uh, solve their wheat problems here, if you know what I mean. Ooh. <sighs> I think y'all should probably just wait until we get outside to finish discussing. Okay, okay, yeah, good, good idea, Fez. So the cards uh, shepherd you guys back out into the courtyard, and uh, Jasper, Tuo, and Master are soaking wet as they make their way through the rain towards you, but the guards seem none the wiser. And you guys meet up, and you walk through the courtyard and back into the town proper. Well, that went, uh, good, good, good? I don't really know, actually. I think the end result was fine. I just think the journey to get there was a nightmare, but yes. I would say it's a failure. We didn't learn anything else that we were supposed to know. Well, we found out about her father, and we have that address now, so he might be our next person to go talk to. You can tell him how big of a fan you are of his tools, Jasper. Jasper actually gets giddy, goes, oh, oh, wait, 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 yes, 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 yes. I have not seen craftsmanship like this before. He just starts pulling out the surgical equipment, just, he's monitoring, like, these are good. Ooh, he's, like, jittering. Oh, boy. I do like me good craftsmanship. Well, why don't we go get our stuff back first? Wait, Dan, what stuff? Uh, all of our stuff. Equipment, yeah. Oh. We're, ju- we're literally just wearing farmer clothes. Oh, you mean like go back to the to the tavern? Yeah. yeah. Okay, because... got you. Yeah, and Aegon will, will also. Now that we're out of the building and everything, Aegon will turn to uh, Aegon will turn to Laszlo and say, "Lady Hecate wanted us to do some stuff for her before we got a reading, but she did send us out with with this." And he he brings out the box and opens it up. Okay, so you cl- you open up this box, and. Immediately, you are met with uh, the scent of musty wood, old metal. There's a tint of cinnamon in the smell that you get from this box. And you look down, and inside this box, you see 15 large coins, each about two inches across, sitting in the base of this small chest that she had given you. And once you open it, and see the coins and smell this musty scent. Suddenly you look down an alleyway, a well-traveled alleyway that you've gone through multiple times while you've been here, and you see a doorway that was not there the last time you came through. Does, does anybody else see that, that door over there? I don't remember it being there. Do we see it? Yeah, once uh, you gather around Aegon... And you all smell this sweet, musty cinnamon scent. Suddenly the door fades into view for you as well. God, they're all high. Hey, yeah, Aegon, I've never seen that door. This is just a passageway that, that shouldn't be there. Shall we go see what it's about? I, I think we should at least peek in. I, I, I feel... I've, Aegon, you feel the coins in your in the chest are rattling a little bit as if they're being attracted to this doorway. Interesting. 
we just need to be careful since we don't have any of our stuff. But I, I think it would be fine to just peek in. Well, in we go, I suppose. All right, so you guys walk towards this mysterious doorway that has appeared in the alleyway, and you push it, and it creaks open. So you guys walk through this doorway into what appears to be a small, musty shop about 30 feet deep and 30 feet wide. The walls are dominated by these large cabinets and bookcases just stuffed full of strange items that seem to glow and glimmer and click and clang. You walk past tables just laden with glowing gemstones, uh, small statuettes. There's even a cage with a little man in it, and he shakes the cage, but he turns into a pterodactyl. So now there's a pterodactyl shaking the cage. And you step forward, and there are more doorways from this room leading into other rooms. So you step forward to the left, and you see a long, long room, just wall-to-wall, covered with weapons that gleam and shine. Some of them have runes on them. Hammers, halberds, daggers, swords. You look to your left, see another room, chock full of shields and suits of armor. Some of the suits of armor turn to look at you as you peek in through the door. And then straight ahead, you look forward and there is another room Again, chock full of shelves. But at the far corner, there's a counter with a figure standing behind it. Nine feet tall, with blue robes decorated with gemstones, jewelry, topped by a massive wizard's hat that adds another three feet to its height. And from the folds of its hat and its robes, you you can't see its face. But all you can see in the darkness are two tiny glowing red eyes and a big toothy maw full of sharp pointed teeth and as you step forward the figure looks up from its counter where it was counting out coins and it says well greetings you greedy little gremlins welcome to the shop between worlds i'm the shopkeep and I'm the proprietor of this grand bazaar that makes even those pesky antediluvian elder gods jealous. Take a second to shop around and rub your grimy little mittens all over my stuff before you decide not to buy anything. But don't you dare steal from me. You'll be in for a really rough time, do you hear me? And he kind of chuckles and goes back to counting his coins. So you guys have walked into a massive shop full of miscellaneous items and all of them seem to be magical in nature. Welcome to the shop between worlds. So I've shared with all of you guys a Google document full of magical items that you can afford from this shop. Hmm. Hmm. So what are you guys going to do? I know this is kind of out of the blue. Maybe for the adventurers, this is a little jarring. But for the audience, this is a key component of 
pretty much every campaign that I've run for the last four years now is this magical shot between worlds. I think Gunner is just stunned. He's just standing there. Like, he's walking, but he doesn't realize he's walking. He's so... He's simultaneously terrified by the shopkeep, but also just so... he He's just so enthralled by all the treasures and shiny things. He's like... The shopkeep is not impressed by your appearance at all. He is writing on some documents with his with his pen that he's holding in his gnarled, taloned hands. I don't know if I'm in heaven or hell. Neither! Both are overrated, if you ask me. <laughs> hmm. Well, Gunnar, Gunnar wants to look around. He, wa- he wants to see, see what kind of stuff they got. All right. So Gunnar's looking around. Where's he going to go? I think he wants to check out, uh, you know what? He's just going to make a left and he's going to see whatever's in there. All right. So you take a left and you walk through this chamber I described with the armors and the shields lining the walls. And at the far end, you see another doorway and you creep up to the doorway and you see what appears to be an alchemist's laboratory. There's a cauldron bubbling with brew. There's an alembic and a table full of vials just brimming with fluid. Some of them are bubbling. Some of them are steaming. Um, There's a whole system of pipes for distillation. I think he's actually got a full-blown distillation column too, just stuffed away in the corner. And there are cabinets full of what appear to be potions and scrolls. And in the center of the room is this hunched hooded figure about, uh, about five feet tall. And as you approach the whole figure kind of like wiggles and turns to you from underneath the hood you see some glints of light and four moray eel heads pop up and look at you from underneath the cloak and then they whip back down so now you just see this dark hood over this black void and it waves its arm in front of you and you see just these this massive, wet, <laughs> sticky tentacles flap where hand should be. And it says, well, Hello there. My name is Four Eels and an Octopus. What can I help you with? I think I'm giving up drinking forever. <laughs> this is insane. Yes, um, I imagine that you are impressed by my being. I am Four Eels and an Octopus made into a single being under this robe. I'm a master alchemist. I can produce anything that you want. Can you make Neosporin? <laughs> no, but I can make generic antibiotic creams. Oh, well. Mm. G- gotta be honest. K- kind of lost me there. But I, well, I it, might it, be it, interested it's, it's, in... It's a trademark product. It's actually, it's all the same. Oh, okay. Well, I'll maybe I'll take a look at the potions. But, um, well... I don't know. I, I, I'm just, I'm just looking. I'm just window shopping right now. L- l- let me come back in a minute, and I'll, I'll decide if I want to buy, buy a potion or something. Yes, I, I will be here. And it slaps its wet tentacled hand onto the table, and you hear a small shriek, and the tentacles retreat oh up into its this sleeve. Is I hate it. Oh man, <laughs> I love it. So let's let's move on to somebody else. Well, like Gunner, I think Aegon is kind of in awe of the place, and 
He particularly is interested in the shopkeeper himself, so he's going to stroll straight forward and kind of glance around the room that the, the shopkeeper is in. Yes, can I help you with something? Might I ask, what, what is this place exactly? <laughs> Bitch, this is the shop between worlds. How have you not heard of it? I, I apologize for my ignorance, but I've, I've never seen it before. Well, of course you haven't. This is my personal shop. I'm a curator of magical items and delights. Of course, they are quite rare in your world. But for where I come from, they bleed from the sky like the blood of a fertility god. <laughs> Speaking of which, I have a fertility god in a jar if you would like to buy it. Like, I literally, it's literally a god in a jar. I, I think I'm quite all right for now. Uh, do, you have the, do you have the coin to purchase the necessary items? Oh, wait. I can see by your vacant expression you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's... Well, here, let me explain it for you and for the audience. In song? No. Oh. <laughs> Shut up, red man. Oh. That wasn't for you. I don't care. I thought that was funny. Yeah. So the way the shop works is many of my magical items can only be bought using a special currency I call an ode. Like, you know, like the song, like the rhyme, like the poetry. You know, roses are red, violets are blue. Buy something, bitch. So, you spend this coin and you can buy a magical item. And you can also sell magical items to me and I will give you odes in return. It's quite the bargain, they would say. However, there are some things here that I sell without odes. For example, spell scrolls and potions and other consumables. You have to talk to either four eels or my other employee. Regardless, those are the basic rules of the shop. But don't bother trying to steal because, well, things will end very badly for you and very permanently. Also, check out the bargain bin if you're looking for cheap magical items. And he gestures to a large bin in front of his counter. It's uh, this green ceramic pot with blue highlighting and a very sinister smiling face painted on the front of it. Just check it out if you're interested. <laughs> well, well uh, I suppose we will then. Thank you. <laughs> and Aegon turns back towards the rest of the party with still kind of a confused look on his face. Uh, Theo shares this confused look, but also he's very worried and very flabbergasted as to what the heck he should be doing. He's pawing for his, his, his companion, Tuo, saying, Veda, uh, Veda. Trying to get him to stay near him. He has no idea what's happening. Uh, there, there's, there are, there's a pile of tiny skeletons on the table next to you that are reaching towards you. Uh, uh, he almost <laughs> like throws up and and just backs away to the other table, almost bumping it. Oh boy, what what's happening? Is this? And a, a chicken made entirely of snakes hops up under your uh, shoulder. What? What is that? How is that possible? Get off! No! <laughs> It's a snake chicken! Don't uh, hurt it! It's gonna hurt me! He tries to shoo it off. It's yours for 10 oats! I don't even know what that means! <laughs> He's so scared. I don't even know what you mean! Oh, jeez. He's starting to sweat. He's never seen magic items like these. He's only vaguely been introduced to magic over the last two days. 
This is just all too much for him. He's he's feeling yeah, because because magic is super rare, but suddenly you are just saturated. The air smells like musty wood, magic, and cinnamon. <laughs> he he just backs up almost into a corner, just trying to watch everything as it's bubbling, moving, writhing, and floating. He just he just doesn't understand what to think of anything at the moment. He's just comatose in the corner. Bez? Um, she too is very much just overwhelmed by everything. Um, and after listening to the shopkeep kind of do his weird thing with Aegon and watching the horde just beheld Fio, she is being very careful not to get too close to any of the tables with anything moving on them. Uh, and yeah, you pa- you walk by a, a glowing box that has a sign on it that says. End of the world. Open when desired. <laughs> oh. Oh, no. Okay. So she keeps moving past. Uh, and she did hear the shopkeep talk about this uh, bin. So she's going to go take a look in the bargain bin. All right. And Jasper? Guessing that this is probably one of the few people smart enough to, or magical enough to have insights into what he truly cares about. He approaches the shopkeeper. What do you know? Yet another man made of metal. I require... Do you happen to have knowledge about talking to people? And yes, maybe I talk to people every day. I'd like to be able to contact someone and bring them back. What would be the best way for me to do it? Pay me a lot of money, that's how. How much? A lot. Um, 2,000 odes. I don't even know what you're talking about. There's someone dear to me that has seemed to have gone missing due to unfortunate circumstances. Oh, darling, let me tell you, it's not worth it. (laughs) Things come and they go. You just must go with the the current of the universe. So actually, Jasper will for once actually do this. I didn't think I'd ever do it. He basically, uh, you see him pull open his uh, shirt a little bit. And from there, you see a little case in his, uh, where his heart would be open up, and he pulls out a locket. And he says, I need the person in this to be free. What would be the best way? Hmm. Interesting. Price is anything you want. I will make it happen. In your case, my friend, I'd say that is priceless, because that's a character <laughs> backstory thing. <laughs> So perhaps in the future I will be able to help you, but right now you must first untangle your own destiny from this knot you've all gotten yourselves into. Jasper just stares confused. Back? Story? Sorry, that's meta talk. Um, come back later and I'll help you. I see. And he puts it back all neatly. His chest yeah, recloses. You're, you're, only, you're only third level. You can't quite <laughs> handle what I'm dishing out. <laughs> Of course not. That is why I asked you. You clearly seem to know more than all of us, and probably we will ever know. So I assumed you'd be the best. That's right, bitch! I know everything! So, you guys are all exploring the shop. So, like I said earlier, you guys have all had time to peruse the document I sent you. But since Vez has already visited the bargain bin... I'm going to have everybody give me a D100 roll. Have we done one of those before? 
So yeah, everyone. Yes. Yeah. So ba basically, uh, D one hundred roll. That's uh, two ten sided dice. One's a tens place. One's a ones place. And that determines the number between one and a hundred. Actually, I'm, I'm, there are a lot of games that do the the D one hundred system. It's kind of cool. I got a sixty nine. <laughs> nice. Nice. I got a I got a sixty two. I got a sixty seven. Oh man. Nineteen. I got a fifty three. So Vez looks into the bargain bin, and she sees this golden circlet set with rubies. She sees a small cloak woven from leaves and twigs, yet somehow strong as a leather cloak. She sees what appears to be a bottle of perfume that's letting off a scent that is just intoxicating. She sees a magical instrument at the bottom, a pan flute that seems to shimmer and change its appearance. And she sees a small heart-shaped box on a pendant sitting at the bottom of the bin. And these items are a circlet of blasting, a nature's mantle, a perfume of bewitching, an instrument of illusions, and a periapt of health. And since these were randomly determined, they are all half the normal price I would normally attribute to these items. How'd you know Jasper always wanted a heart? <laughs> so Vez looks in and she sees these items and uh, the shopkeep leans over and says, yes, those are half price because nobody else seems to want them for some reason or another. It's, it's random. I, I can't tell the whims of my customers. They're, uh, they're very interesting. Um, She's just, like, trying to think, um, what do they do? <laughs> well, how about you just Google it to know what it does? Because I don't have the time to write this down. So uh, while you guys do that, uh, whoever is not Googling the items, uh, who wants to go next for exploring stuff in the shop? Well, Gunnar wants to go up to, you, you said he's, uh, his name is Four Eels and an Octopus? That is his name, yes. Okay. Well, and from his appearance and the uh, seawater dripping on the floor under his oddly shaped cloak, you can guess where he got his name from. Uh, yep, yeah, I assumed as much. So, uh, uh, but, uh how, how exactly does this corner work? Like, how... Yeah, so the Four Eels corner, um... You spend gold pieces here instead of odes, and uh, you can buy potent and spell souls. I know I went from a, a lisp to a wet sound, but this is what it's supposed to sound like. So it's, it's okay. All of it's kind of a lot, if I'm being honest. That's but... okay. I've, I've been told them a lot, too. Oh, I'm, I'm, Mo I'm Mostly sorry. women. Oh, Gunner feels kind of bad now. Oh no! Hey, no, hey, but it's, it's a good—it's a good thing. It's just, you know, they just <laughs> can't handle the four eels. Plus, I also—I also spell—I also, also sell magical ammunition, so like like magical arrows and spells, like a crossbow bolts, stuff like that. This is a lot. I see. So, 
Yeah, many potions, but also spell scrolls and magical ammunitions. And the, the, there's a, there's a sh- there's like a shuffling in the hood, and you see the four moray eels looking at you. And every time he speaks, all their mouths move at the same time, but not in unison. Ew. Um. Well, I think that's great. Uh, honestly, I'm 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 kind of looking more for like a a, a weapon, but uh, y- you know, actually, I I'll, I'll take a look at that ammunition. Is, is, is there anything that that catches your mind? Anything you see that you like? Uh, let's see. Walloping arrows. Ooh, adamantine. Very nice. Okay, well, I just wanted to look. I'm 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 gonna go l- look around. Tulu. All right, come back if you want to buy something. Will do. Theo, uh, trying to get away from this serpent chicken, ends up stumbling into the main area where the shopkeep is and is trying to find something to defend himself and, and looks upon these different uh, utility items. And he uh, he picks up one of the items, which looks like to be a couple of boots that he's trying to like throw at the serpent, but he loses track of the serpent and just ends up staring at these boots scared out of his wit, just trying to get a grasp on what's going on, and it looks like these are, are Windwalker boots? Yes, actually, AJ, they are a unique item. So these boots are a minor relic called the Windwalkers. So they are in italics on the Google Sheet that we have as a group, and uh, they are a very special item. Uh, seeing that Theo isn't being chased anymore. He, he kind of relaxes, seeing that his friends are okay with what's going on. He's still incredibly scared of the whole event, but he's trying to calm down. He ends up turning around, just trying to take in his surroundings and finds these utility items in this main area, just near the shopkeeps. Yeah, when, you, when you turn around, you immediately see a glass jar with an eyeball in it, and the eyeball swivels to look right at you. Oh, oh, jeez. Is that, is that alive? No, it's not. It's been dead for a thousand years. But but it moved. I saw it. Well, that's what the dead do. Oh, man. Aegon steps more towards the counter, and he glances over to his left, and he sees another figure standing back there on the map, I think. Yeah, Daniel, you want to take away on on this little venture? (laughs) Sure. So there is a tall human man uh he's wearing a trucker hat which says sexy is my magic he has a a stained t-shirt which is torn (laughs) off at the sleeves on his left arm he has a tattoo with a heart that just says mom and on his right arm he has a tattoo of someone's name which is crossed out and then another name which is crossed out and then several more names that are crossed out until Right about down to his wrist, you can see the name Wesley, which has just been crossed out in permanent marker. <laughs> and he's wearing uh, the sexiest jorts you've ever seen, which for those of, those of you cool kids don't know, those are jean shorts. Uh, and he has a big beer belly, but extremely muscular forearms and calves and, and huge feet. Is, hey, hey there, son. How you doing? Oh, hello, hello. Oh, what is it that that you do here? Oh, what is it I don't do here? Uh-huh. <laughs> they call me Toby the Magic Trucker, 
But I'll let you in on this. I've opened up a little side venture here. Now, don't don't tell the people back at the in the, in the main dimension. But I've been doing tattoo art here for a while now, and I gotta say I'm pretty good. You, you ever put magic in your skin before? No, I I can't say I have. Well, for a couple of odes, I'll be sure to give you a nice little tattoo that not only makes you look, uh, sexy, but also gives you some other benefit. And whenever you use it, hopefully you think of Toby. That's, that's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> does, does he have like a little, uh, little sign next to him with examples of his art or something? Yeah, <laughs> And I think one of them is like, one of them, this like beautiful painting of like a mountain and like some falling snow. And then the other one is a crudely drawn kitten. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, some of this art, I just use stencils, but other <laughs> ones are originals. You probably can't tell which is which. Oh, hey, hang on. Uh, my side pocket's feeling up mighty toasty. And he, and he pulls <laughs> out. Oh, jeez. <laughs> He pulls out what looks to be a microwavable burrito, but with one end of the wrapper open, he's like, "I've been I've been putting this against my thigh the whole day. <laughs> seems it seems nice and hang on, <laughs> seems nice and ready now to eat." And he takes a big bite out of it, getting crumbs all over the floor. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, sir, uh, I, I, th I think your your art is very good. Uh, I'll, I'll make sure I'll, I'll tell my my companions about it and see if they want anything to do with it. Yeah, all right. Just come back and tell them you talked to Toby. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Aegon is going to make a hasty retreat into the aisles. So to recap, our adventurers have a lot of options in this shop. I have a whole sheet of magic items that they can choose from where they can spend odes. They can spend gold pieces to buy spell scrolls and potions from four eels. And they can expend odes to buy items from Toby the Magic Trucker, who supplies the shopkeep with his items from across the dimensions. Additionally, Vez did find the bargain bin, which is full of randomly generated magical items at half price. Now, listener, this is where you come in. If you send me magical items, whether it's through Twitter, Facebook, send us an email on our website, get a hold of us somehow. Let me know what kind of magic items you want to appear in this bargain bin, and I will add them to my list of randomized items. So there's a very strong chance that your item can appear in the shopkeep's shop. So, now that we have all of that out of the way, why don't we get down to business? Why don't you guys tell me what your adventurers are planning on purchasing from this magical and horrifying shop? Now, I'm presuming if I buy clothes, I can wear that under my armor, right? Yes. Okay, I didn't think it, there was any reason why that wouldn't be the case, but... So out of curiosity, if I uh, was to buy a spell scroll as being a wizard, am I allowed to transcribe it in my book? Yes. So, Nate, if you do want to buy a spell scroll, you can buy it. 
And then you do have to expend the gold to transcribe it as per your wizard ability. But yes, this is basically an expensive way for you to choose any wizard spell that you want to add to your spell list. Yes, I can get all the good ones. And by the good ones, I mean the ones no one should ever take. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. All right, so you guys have had some time to look through the items in the shop. Uh, What have you decided to purchase? We'll start with Vez. Uh, So Vez has been looking at some of the, like the more of the armor section. But one nice thing about the armor section is some of the armor is not actually armor and it's considered clothing, which she can wear and it not penalize her. Um, So she's actually looking to get uh, one that's called Windflow and it is basically a beautiful flowing cloak and it has feather-like patterns sewn into it and if I wear it basically if an enemy attacks me I can use my reaction to add plus five to my AC at the start of my turn once per long rest so knowing Vez's history um, I think this would probably be a good idea so that's what she's interested in getting it's gonna be all three of her odes yep so that's three odes for that Ah, spectacular! You seem like the kind of person who'd purchase the wind flow. She just kind of smiles and nods. <laughs> she takes and, uh, off the her... Sho- uh, yeah. The shopkeeper leans in and his talons kind of creak against the wood and he says, I also sell cockatrice venom if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you use that for? Stuff. I see. I'm starting to question maybe some of the statues that I've seen around here. And she kind of goes away from him and switches out the current cloak she's wearing for her new cloak. All right. So now you are the proud owner of the Windflow clothing. <laughs> so Aegon? Yeah, I think Aegon's look, or walking through the aisles and then uh, at a certain point he kind of feels like the, the prayer book that he has kept on him kind of tug him toward a, a section and it, it pulls him towards this uh, wooden rod sitting on, on one of the shelves and he picks it up and it just feels right to him, you know? It's almost like it's connecting to his, his patron or something. And uh, yeah, what does it look like? What? What does it look like? Uh, it's a, a wooden rod, but as he, he picks it up, it kind of takes the appearance that his previous rod has. It becomes a nice brass with a shining sun on top and almost seems to create light, even though it doesn't really. And this is uh, by the uh, item table, a lesser rod of the Pact Keeper. Uh, So it requires an attunement by a warlock and it, uh, while holding it, Aegon will get a plus one bonus to his spell attack rolls and the saving throw DCs of his warlock spells. And, in addition, he'll be able to regain one Warlock spell slot as an action uh, once per long rest. Nice. And it's two odes. That was uh, two odes. Yes, it's two odes. Well, spectacular choice for a... uh... Yes, anyway, (laughs) move on. (laughs) So Jasper... Jasper's thumbing through and finds a ring that sits there and morphs and shifts as he uh, looks at it through, like, one of the tables... And the only thing he thinks in his mind is, I need this! <laughs> because I said illusionary bullshit. 
But he looks at the price tag and goes, I need someone to help me. I'm broke. Yeah, and about that time, Aegon's walking away from the counter with his last oat left and says, Do, do you need a, a loan there, Jasper? Yes. What do you want in repayment? Oh, it's fine. Nothing. Just uh, remember a good deed and was done for you and pass it on to the next person that needs it. And he'll hand his, ode over, his last ode over to Jasper. Jasper just smiles and says, Fair enough. I guess I will perform a good deed in the town then. Just one. He goes and hands four odes to the, uh, the shopkeeper and acquires the Ring of Disguise. Requires attunement. The simple silver ring has an image of two theater masks engraved into it. While wearing the ring, you can use your action to cast Disguise Self spell from it at will. The spell ends if the ring is removed. I become a budget changeling. Basically, yeah, you can <laughs> oh cast God. Disguise Self. All the time. Well, I see goodwill is in the air tonight. It's like Christmas, whatever that is. He also will walk over to Foriel's corner and ask for a spell scroll of Find Familiar. Oh, yes, that, that is actually one of the most popular spell scrolls. So here you go. And he hands you a spell scroll and it is sopping wet. <laughs> oh, God. But the words are still legible but you have to brush a starfish off to read them. Okay, just make a thumb spell. So that costs you... 50 gold? Yep, that costs you 50 gold pieces to buy a first level spell scroll. Yes. And he says, thank you. You know, having That's eyes... No problem, actually. It's, it's actually my, pl my pleasure to, to sell you spell scrolls. He says, I have for some reason to grown an appreciation for maybe having a servant and he looks back at the cat <laughs> the cat just meows at you get a better cat four eels licks all four of his mouths <laughs> are you looking to sell the cat sure oh, no no jasper no it's not your cat first of all no oh wait this will count as my good deed i won't yeah, sell man. the cat Oh my god. Four Yells looks very disappointed, but he settles down and uh, begins to chew on one of his octopus tentacles. Sorry, I promised someone I wouldn't be an asshole for a little while. <laughs> Good one, mate. And then he puts the ring on and he comes out looking like an elven man. Nice. So on the gunner. I imagine there there are a number of still shots of gunner just around the shop, like looking at different things. He's like, hmm. Mm, I don't know. Maybe is this fun? There's a still shot of him like, uh, like wincing whenever he's talking to Toby. He's like, there's another one of him like lifting up one of Four Eels tentacles, being like, no, nothing under under here. There's one. There's a one where a suit of armor is giving him a wedgie. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> ah! but then finally he uh, he goes to the shopkeep's counter with three different items. Oh wow. I want all of these. Well, I see you're, you're, you're quite the entrepreneur, aren't you? No, oh, I, I know a good deal when I see one. Oh, well, I like you. Hmm. Uh, so on the counter, Gunner has placed a pair of boots, a clipboard, and a pan flute. So the pair of boots, the, so the boots are windwalkers. These are a beautiful pair of leather boots which have a feathery patterns embossed on the sides. While wearing these boots, my speed increases by five feet. 
And, and? Uh, and they do not require attunement if I wear them with Windflow, which is the thing uh, Vez bought. Additionally, the clipboard is called the Auditor's Clipboard. When holding this fine wooden clipboard, I have advantage on charisma, deception, and persuasion checks to convince people that I have something important to do and I should be in my current location, which is already Gunner's talent, so might as well we, lean into that. We are well, inspectors. We are, <laughs> there are rats in here. <laughs> and then lastly, Gunner fish this out of the bottom of the bargain bin but he puts the instrument of illusions on the counter as well which is a uh, in this case a pan flute and I okay I did not close it thank god and <clears throat> it is a musical instrument which while playing it I can create harmless illusory visual effects uh, within a 5 foot radius sphere centered on the instrument but since I'm a bard, the radius actually increases to 15 feet. Uh, sample visual effects include luminous musical notes, a spectral dancer, butterflies, and gently falling snow. The magical effects have neither substance nor sound, and they are obviously illusory. The effects end when I stop playing. Well, there you go. Take your junk and leave. <laughs> Bow. I love thrift shopping. This is so fun. Shut up! I've got another customer! Uh, Theo, kind of shakily, still just, like, sweating and looking around, but still kind of focused on what he has in his hand. What he... are you shaking for, little man? Uh, and uh, the shopkeeper rises. And he, like I said, he's, like, nine feet tall now that he's risen to his full height. And he's towering over you. <laughs> Why, uh, are you scared? Uh, Something terrifying you? I, I, he, taps, he, ta he taps his talons on the... <laughs> counter in front of him <laughs> you're gonna buy something and he you can see the glowing pits of his red eyes and his grinning mouthful of sharp teeth this is so unnerving to to feel because he's six foot two so he's above average in height but he's like 225 pounds super muscly he's usually bigger than like most people he meets so it's so jarring to meet someone bigger than he is especially in this magical shop where he just has no previous history except for the last 32 hours of, of being exposed to all this magical stuff. So so bearing this in mind, he says, I'm not, I mean, I guess I'm kind of, um, I, I just wanted to get this. And he puts down this uh, iron sort of sphere. I gotta get back to oh, the Oh, that's what you chose to go with, huh? Um, yeah, it's it's useful. It's, it's um... I, the tag, you know, it, it says what it says. It's the iron bands of, of binding. And he puts down his two odes. And uh, this item is actually a three-inch wide iron sphere. And it has fiery glowing runes carved into it. You can use an action to speak the command word, which is seize, or a slight variation, maybe a different language that says seize in that. And throw the sphere at a huge or smaller creature that I can see within 60 feet. As the sphere moves through the air, it opens into a tangle of metal bands. Uh, I have to make a ranged attack roll with an attack bonus equal to my dex modifier plus my proficiency bonus. On a hit, the target is restrained until you take a bonus action to speak the command word again to release it. Doing so or missing with the attack 
causes the bands to contract and become a sphere once more. To make sure the creature is actually restrained, the creature can use an action to make a DC 20 strength or athletics check to break the iron bands. On a success, the item is destroyed and the restrained creature is freed. If the check fails, though, any further attempts made by that creature automatically fail until 24 hours have passed. Once the bands are used, they can't be used again until the next dawn. That's a good item. Yes. Theo thinks there could be lots of utility with this uh, item, and he thinks he could definitely use this for good. He thinks this would be very helpful in the future. All right, so you guys purchase all of your items, and you look around the shop, and then the shopkeep says, All right, well, you best leave. I've got a meeting with Cthulhu in two hours, and i got to clean up the place. So, <laughs> scram! Get out of here! Shoo! It was nice meeting you. Wish I could say the same. (laughs) And you guys don't even have time to take a step out of the shop before you suddenly feel a door slam behind you and you realize you are back in the alleyway. Hmm. Did we eat something we weren't supposed to eat or... Or was that some sort of weird group The elven man looks at you and says, I don't think so. Who are you? What happened it's to Jasper? Jasper? It's we got Jasper. a trainer. It's Jasper. I freaking out. It's Jasper. <laughs> Boo. I am scary. Boo. Hey, uh, four eels pop up over Gunner's shoulder and say, Yeah, I think with all a dream. <laughs> ha! Well, I, I don't think it was a dream since I still have this pen flute. The, four, the two of the eels rest against your shoulder and leave mucus all across your shoulder. Gunner is disgusted. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go back there, guys. Theo then gets to the side and throws up a little bit. This is too much of a day. I can't handle this. It's okay. You'll see this every time you level up. Whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> Bye! And the cloak just melts into a mess of seawater. For a nice person. You know, I, I, I think I think he and I could get along. I, I, I don't know about that Toby character, though. Alright, so you guys gather yourselves up. It is still pouring rain. There's another peal of thunder that reverberates through the buildings and through your bones. And you look out through the alleyway and you can just see your destiny awaiting you. And you grab your stuff, and you set forth for another adventure. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, share it and our other episodes with your friends, family, and co-workers. Your boss, if you're daring. Visit our website to find your copy of a D&D Quick Starter Guide, and feel free to join our growing community on the various social media platforms in the description. There, we discuss episodes, Dungeons & Dragons, and STEM topics that we all love. Thanks again for listening. We can't wait to see you here at Applied Dungeoneering. The songs, Throne Room and Magic Shop are from Tabletop Audio at tabletopaudio.com.
Licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0. CreativeCommons.org slash licenses slash by dash nc dash nd slash 4.0.